0: Welcome to Film House. Doing things a little bit different this week. It's just James and I, and I'll tell you why.
1: There's nobody left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'll tell you really why. Mm-hmm. It's because we watch we watch a lot of stuff. We
1: are we, we do watch
0: constantly it. consuming. And a few episodes ago, I did that format where I asked everybody for the recommendations, mm-hmm. and I didn't do one for myself. You're right. You didn't. I didn't.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but that's because. I always got recommendations, mm-hmm. and I thought that you and I would just talk about the the stuff we've watched over the last month or two, mm-hmm. or that we're still watching. Yeah, and uh, I'll let you start with with a pick.
1: Well, I mean, it, so I feel like we're going through phases. I mean, there isn't that much else going on that mm-hmm. we like. Basically, what we're watching is. That is now how I am remembering time. You know how yeah. people are like oh I know it was 2000 whatever because the PlayStation 2 came out. Or I, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. My moments in time. It's just Tiger King. It's just I, I was thinking about that today. <laughs> I was like oh what phase Tiger because Tiger King was also the New Girl time period. Yeah. About right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching all of New Girl of for New Lindsay. Girl. Yeah.
0: Um, But then Tiger King was it was early pandemic. Mm-hmm. So people didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in. In the world, or in their Netflix viewing, no. um, and yeah, it's definitely a time capsule. Yeah, it's like we'll always connect *Tiger King* to the
1: pandemic. And and then it feels like not too long ago we were watching Halloween stuff because we were trying to watch like a new scary movie. We were doing the 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 Conjuring uh, the in review yeah, with, with kind of funny, funny. and gosh. so that was always like I was like oh every single week we were watching a new one. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. Um, but it feels like more recently we've just now we can go now we're in whatever whatever phase we want. A little it's bit. A yeah,
0: we've been watching a little bit of holiday stuff.
1: Yeah, but you're not a huge into like Christmas movies. So no, it's, it's not, not like we're going to be going through all the best Christmas yeah, movies. Yeah, we maybe we'll watch
0: a few more. Mm-hmm. We watched Gremlins. Of course, we watched Christmas Chronicles 2, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we will talk about mm-hmm. it's, actually let's kick it off with Christmas Chronicles <laughs> Great, 2 let's do it. which we watched over Thanksgiving and we had seen Christmas Chronicles one but mm-hmm. neither of us had any recollection of it beyond the scene and spoiler where they end up in the jail and then there's a musical number and Steve Sant from E Street Band is there mm-hmm. and it's a Steve whole thing Van Zant um, you always think
1: you always combine it with Steve Zahn no or is there a different Steve I think it's, it's
0: Steph Sant from our, our office manager at Rooster Teeth. Oh, okay, and that's okay, what right. I always confuse it with. I, yeah. Uh, I never confuse Steve Zahn with anyone. Um,
1: nice. Um, yeah. So I I we watched that in a social setting. Because back then you could hang out with people. And if I recall, there was something else going on. So it was the occasional, like, like not sitting down to watch Christmas Cop Chronicle. It was sit down to, it's on. And then occasionally yeah. you look up and then you go back down to whatever you're doing and then you look up again and then hold on. I There's just a want dog to see. here. I want to see if we that's... can see this dog that is like at every step of the process trying yeah, to. sorry audio he's, listeners. Audio he's, listeners. He's determined to around. be harassing us. He is harassing and licking us right now, but we will soldier on. I'll try okay. and scratch him over here. Anyway, so it was like half paying attention to it. So thinking back, what was the movie about? I'm pretty sure Santa's sleigh crashed.
0: Something to and that some effect. And some kids were helping
1: him, and then that's about all I it remember.
0: Just, it just spawned Kurt Russell as Hot Santa, and then we got a Goldie Hawn tease at the end of the movie. Of course, Christmas Chronicles 2, Goldie Hawn is now a central figure in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this movie...
1: Christmas Chronicles yeah, part two, was bonkers. It was cr- insane. It was far and away... All the things that I kind of didn't remember about the first one, it, the same thing happened with this one.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of a fun like turn your brain off. It's Christmas. There's Christmas things happening in it, but not mm. even that much. And yeah. it's a shame because the uh, I, I always forget his name, but the 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 young man from Hunt for the Wilder People oh, is yeah, in yeah. it, and he's always great. He is. He
1: is great. But now he's
0: kind of this like misfit villain. Like he had the same sort of role in Deadpool too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that this was maybe the right spot for him, though, in this movie. This movie is all over the place. And not that this is going to be an entire podcast devoted to Christmas Chronicles, Chronicles Part two. 2. But like, if you just look at the image that Netflix shows you, it's kind of got it's got like Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn. And depending on when you're looking at it, like palm trees in the background, you're like, what? What's going like? It's so far removed from everything that was going on in Christmas Chronicles 1.
0: Definitely that thumbnail was made by somebody that just scrubbed through Christmas Chronicles 2 and only had stills from certain parts in the movie.
1: Yeah. It's almost like they didn't want to spoil it. But most of the movie involves an epic battle that takes place in Santa Claus town. Mm -hmm. And the theft of the Star of Bethlehem, which powers the town... And, time, and then time travel is introduced very, very close to the end of the movie. <laughs> and it's just, it is a wackadoo film. I still think, and this is something I commented on in the first Christmas Chronicles, that the two kids, their father passed away. Mm-hmm. They're still dealing with that. And one of the things that they say, a, an attribute about their father, is the fact that his favorite song was Oh Christmas Tree. And I was like, that's the sign of a crazy person. No one's favorite song is "Oh Christmas Tree." Mm-hmm. That that just doesn't happen. So I he's back. He's back and nudging into us. He's licking the he's licking our chair now and huffing on it. Anyway, <laughs> he's
0: sneezing down there. Oh my gosh! Sorry, yeah, audio listeners. Please. Um,
1: but anyway, this this movie's bonkers. So we did watch it. But it was only because it felt like it was like a holiday thing and we were trying to get it. Sure. Done. We
0: also watched, in the spirit of the holiday season, the happiest season, which is new mm-hmm. to Hulu. And this movie does a lot of things right and then a lot of things wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it does make for kind of just fun holiday fare, mm-hmm. I would say. It's got some charismatic and fun actors to watch
1: in it. It's, it's pretty straightforward rom-com. The, the big thing about it, though, is that in, the relationship is between two women. So one, one uh, woman is going home for Christmas and she wants to bring her girlfriend, except that her family doesn't know that she's gay. And so mm-hmm. it's that that becomes like the fun and games of it at a certain point.
0: Yeah, it, um, it is touted as sort of this, like it's like you know, I, I, the f- kind of first of its kind, or there aren't many Christmas movies that have mm-hmm. you know, gay characters or it's focused around mm-hmm. their story, which is great. But then it,
1: I, I, I feel like I'm in no, I'm in no per- position to talk about sure. that, the perspective of how accurately or portrays having to deal with that kind sure. of that kind of, um, uh, you know. Being feeling closeted and dealing with that, so I, I'm not I'm not capable of speaking to that. But in terms of being a romantic comedy, I didn't think it was very good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's from so Clea Duvall, who is in Origin, is the new Black and the Faculty. You know, what am I thinking of? There's there's like a '90s horror movie that I'm thinking she was in.
1: I don't know. Uh, was she, she in
0: Was she in Identity? No, I don't know. She co wrote and directed. Happiest Season, and it stars Kristen Stewart. She Mm -hmm. is sort of our protagonist. She's in love with Mackenzie Davis, who, you know, they're away at school. I want to say, no, they're not away at school. They're just like living on their, there's young people living in the city. And Mackenzie Davis invites her to go home with her for the holidays. Unbeknownst to uh, Kristen Stewart, though, she's not out to her her family. Mm -hmm. So when she shows up with Kristen Stewart, it's like, this is my friend. Yeah. And Kristen Stewart is... Like, obviously, this is just not cool. Mm-hmm. And Mackenzie Davis just kind of keeps pushing her to the wayside. There's an ex-boyfriend that kind of gets involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has Aubrey Plaza as um, a former friend of Mackenzie Davis. Mm-hmm. And Dan Levy is sort of like the comedic.
1: Who's fantastic. He's Every great, scene yeah. he's in he's is, is uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah.
0: There's a ton of people in this movie. Alison Brie, Victor Garber, Mary Holland, Mary Steenburgen. Um, and a
1: gas dyer. And a
0: gas dyer. And it, the thing that it kind of hits the mark with is, and this is pure spoiler territory, Mackenzie Davis is just like constantly like emotionally abusing and gaslighting and being kind of like shitty to Kristen Stewart.
1: Yeah, that was kind of my, my issue with but the movie. But then they
0: still end up together.
1: I didn't want them to. By, by about halfway through the movie, I was like, I don't think another person should treat someone this way. This doesn't seem yeah, like a healthy and relationship.
0: And then Aubrey Plaza enters, and mm-hmm. you see this spark with her and Kristen Stewart, and you're like, oh, they should end up together.
1: Yeah. That should be where the movie It's goes. weird, because it follows all of the, the notes of a romantic comedy, or a traditional romantic comedy. So it feels like you can see things coming from along from far away but then some of those things it doesn't go and i don't know if that's because they're sensitive about it being a story about two women loving each other and they feel like they can't do it in a more conventional way that's there was something off about that and again i'm sure someone with much more closer personal experience can speak to that but for me it was like mackenzie davis the character who's keeping things from her family who is a dysfunctional kind of abusive family outside of how they may or may not feel about sexual identity and stuff.
0: And they prioritize outward appearance above their children's actual happiness.
1: Yeah. There's a lot more going on. I think that's part of it is it's, you know, it's basically it's It's a lesbian romantic comedy, but there's actually a lot more going on below the surface that I feel like needs to be resolved before you can just have the two, uh, lesbian characters in the movie end up together. For sure. was my, how I felt about it.
0: Yeah. Um, Um,
1: Anyway, I did like seeing Kristen Stewart in a yeah, different a f- like in a a f- more of a f- I mean, she's, she's kind of a downer very the whole low time. low
0: energy. But yes. it was
1: nice seeing her in at least a different kind of movie overall. Yes. And yeah.
0: speaking of Dan Levy, mm-hmm. we've also been watching through Schitt's Creek, mm-hmm. which um I am Canadian and several years ago I attempted to start Schitt's Creek mm-hmm. because I love Catherine O'Hara, I love Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. And no, Dan Levy from when he was a MTV Canada VJ. This is
1: like years I, ago. I always like how you, you, you <laughs> ever anytime it comes up, you you mention that you you were aware of Dan Levy back when he was an MTV. Uh,
0: is that bad? MTV.
1: No, but you say it with the same cadence as someone who went to school with someone. Like that's how small Canada is. It is. You're like, kind of. I knew him when I saw him on television. It is because I think
0: a lot of people are completely unaware of that. Yeah, I
1: know. But it's funny because, how- because
0: it's not only that it's a niche Canadian thing, but then probably a lot of Canadians don't remember that or weren't in the generation that watched that. It's kind of like Hannah Simone from New Girl being a much music DJ yes. that probably a lot of people don't yes. remember either.
1: And listen, but- big things wait for much music DJs.
0: <laughs> well, this is much music and MTV Canada, James.
1: All forms of any form of VJ that you can take in, in Canada, your career is going to be set.
0: I hit a roadblock with the first time I tried watching Shit's Creek mm-hmm. because there's a very nominal difference between American television and Canadian television. And it's a secret spice that I can't even place or really describe track. what it is. It's not a laugh track. Because mm-hmm. um, in Canada, you have your comedy shows like your Corner Gasses, your Little Mosques on the Prairies, your Kim's Convenience, your shit's Creek. And they all kind of have this feeling to them that I just I can't put it into words. But if you're Canadian and you see it on TV, I feel like you know
1: what I'm talking about. It's like knowing what a British sitcom is. Yeah, it's, right? it's, they it's have the, their... the feel
0: of the British yeah. comedy. And so going into the first season, I was kind of like, oh, I I feel this Canadian vibe and I just... I don't know. I, don't, I can't spread. take it. Like to, um, two north sides of the mountain, and, and I do think that there are lots of people who just have found that the first season or season and a half of Schitt's Creek is finding his sea legs anyway. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of that comedy stumbling mm-hmm. where it does need to find its footing and find its characters and f- rely less on the premise.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say this. Most great comedies do not have very strong first seasons.
0: No, they sure
1: in their second. Like, very few of them, the only, off the top of my head, the only Arrested ones the they can think of, Arrested Development <laughs> and Veep. But yeah. even Veep throws you into the deep end. So those first couple episodes get lost on your first viewing because you're just trying to keep up with who is this person, what is their purpose, because it doesn't, it doesn't give you, like, an entry into the show.
0: Yeah, so many comedies, their first season is building blocks, mm-hmm. and they're establishing... The characters and their their archetypes so that way they don't have to reference those archetypes in the later seasons they can just go straight to jokes or situational Mm -hmm. comedy and but chits creek though is kind of i've seen people say this is the comedy that we need for 2020 because Mm -hmm. it is a very uplifting show it's
1: it's delightfully positive yeah yeah
0: even characters that are skeptical or narcissistic or uh, negative pessimistic they have some they have they have a deeper humanity within them mm-hmm. and even characters that seem like they're self-interested they do look
1: out for other people mm-hmm. yeah i think that's what's fun about it and and like you said like once you get beyond the premise because when you watch the first couple episodes it's all about the premise they were rich mm-hmm. but now they're poor and yeah. then but in seasons once you get past that, like that's not really a factor. like No,
0: and it's less of a focus as much as it is just an aside joke.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's more it's more an attribute of their personality. Mm-hmm. So it that that kind of they having been rich informs the things that they say or do now, but it isn't the only thing. And that's because you have to kind of get that baggage, and that, I think that happens with a lot of situational yeah. comedies.
0: You know, it's the kind of thing where Alexis, who is the the daughter, she plays the. She she's the character who's the daughter of Eugene Levy and mm-hmm. Catherine O'Hara's characters. But she can make a joke in season three where she she says, oh, yeah, I I first heard that song when I was at a rave in a Russian gulag. Mm-hmm. And it it's not about her being like this poor little rich girl. It's more mm-hmm. about like she makes this weird off comment. and yeah. it's funny. Yeah, and it's great. But yeah. um, but yeah, and all the characters are so full of heart. And Dan Levy, of course, like is a breakout on it. Too.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I will watch him basically do anything he has like all the charisma of his dad mm-hmm. plus an added charisma yeah which is like this like youthful vibrance because ever you know eugene levy whether or not you know his, his huge like what five decade long career in comedy or you know him from christopher Gu- christopher guest films or you know him from american pie he's always been like this kind of fathery type like a dad Yeah, he's
0: very nebbish too yeah like he
1: always tucks his shirt in kind Mm -hmm. of thing and i feel like uh dan levy has that same charisma that makes eugene levy such an entertaining person to watch but he's got an energy to him too that's that's just i don't know again we mentioned him in the happiest season and he stands out just wonderfully in that film because of all those elements and i it's one of those things where i feel like if I will probably watch most of the things he does from now on, just because he is a fun person to watch. And
0: it's really special because you know going into that show that Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And Catherine O'Hara is transcendent. Mm -hmm. Just the way she talks, the way they write for her Mm -hmm. is incredible. Eugene Levy is kind of a straight
1: man for
0: once in his career, which is
1: weird. But I think, I mean... They also have a great supporting cast. I, one of the best things is I feel like if you write if you read a Shits Creek script, you and they took all the character names away. You still know who's speaking. Yeah, that's like one of the most important attributes, I think, for a show like that, because it's, you know, I always like when things become like Simpsons, you know, where, it, yeah, you have your main cast, but you also have the town is a character, especially if you're going to name it Shits Creek, Creek. Right. Yeah um and so parks and rec was the same way like once it expands and you're like hey that's clearly a pert happily line you know like (laughs) like that's that's a testament of a true wonderful comedy at
0: at a certain point parks and rec became the simpsons Mm -hmm. where it was just like there was this just huge cast of characters Mm -hmm. supporting and constantly building and building and building on itself schitt's creek is a little bit more insular and i wonder if that's a budget thing too or they just really like writing for the characters they have and they want to keep it to the smaller cast Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I wonder how much that show. I'm be interested to know how much an episode well, Canadian of Canadian dollars. So, <laughs>
1: do they get tax write-offs if they're already in Canada? I don't know.
0: Moose Nichols, as we call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping in spirit of the Commonwealth, we have also been watching The Crown of the Crown, and we we have a certain background with the Crown.
1: Yes, I am royalty. <laughs> That's our background.
0: Well, our background is that we watched the first season of The Crown. Oh, right, that
1: background. Yeah, and yeah. then didn't watch i think we watched the first episode of season two
0: maybe
1: we watched the first season all the way through and we're like Mm -hmm. hey that was fun that was nice not a lot of conflict not a ton of conflict and then i think season two came around we watched the first episode of season two and then just didn't stick with it but then they did their olivia coleman recast not because it was bad but i think we just weren't in the mindset maybe we weren't trapped at home
0: I think we probably probably didn't watch it because of that very reason, because I love Olivia Coleman, and I was Mm -hmm. all about her being recast. But what really drew us into this season Mm -hmm. was Diana,
1: Diana. Yeah,
0: Princess Diana uh, getting added to the ensemble.
1: Well, I mean, you're you're very familiar with the history of the royal family, what being a subservient to them. So uh, um And so I am not necessarily and I but I think we could also agree that there are some highlights of the current royal family's history in the last, let's say, 80 years. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was a very young Elizabeth having to assume the role of queen at a very young age. Right. There was that. Um, And uh, and then also in world war two world war two you
0: know the the royal family staying in in england britain Mm -hmm. during world war two
1: world war two and stuff like that and then the post post world war two imperialism and like expansion in some ways um but then you know then there's a good period of time when things are just kind of cruising and i didn't watch those seasons and i know it dealt a lot with mountain bottom but like i guess there was almost a coup maybe anyway (laughs) (laughs) but uh it feels like this is the next big thing. Like all the Diana stuff is like, probably it probably has more to do with celebrity and television and like when things could become and more And we also
0: have a personal frame of reference for knowing when true. Uh, with our age, knowing when princess Diana was alive and was in the press and was mm-hmm. a thing.
1: Yeah. It's like when in cloud Atlas, they do the stuff in Neo, uh, neo soul Mm -hmm. because like that's like more where i'm from (laughs) (laughs) why's your voice cracking i was getting so emotional thinking about cloud (laughs) Cloud atlas um no yeah that makes sense this is probably closer because these are things this these are the kind of things where they show interviews with charles and diana and then you can google it it yeah or also i
0: remember seeing a docuseries when i was a kid where that interview was in Mm -hmm.
1: or you attended the wedding like yes you know
0: Yeah. Well, also, I mean, I remember when Princess Diana died and that was just a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And aside. So Emma Corrin, who I was not familiar with, plays Princess Diana. Gillian Anderson plays Margaret. That's another thing. It's Margaret. It's Thatcher. Oh, yeah. The Iron Lady. Yeah. Thatcherism. And Gillian Anderson is just incredible Mm -hmm. in this. Just the idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies and the the way that she plays Margaret Always Atwood, like she's this. chewing on steel wool the whole time. Yes, I think that the queen and lady, Yeah, she's... She's so good. Like, I think you at first didn't know it was Gillian Anderson.
1: No. Well, I mean, you you picked her. Did you know it was her? Uh, I recognized her. You, you recognized her. Because, yeah. like, I was just watching, I was like, oh, there's, an, there's a mark. that's who their Margaret Thatcher is. And then you, like, like, three minutes later, were like, that's Gillian Anderson. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, it is like, I i mean, obviously, I wasn't looking for her, but you would think you would recognize Gillian Anderson and you don't. Um, yeah, but she turned British a long time ago. Anyway,
0: Margaret Thatcher is a such a controversial figure in British history. I'm sure the actual people from the UK in the comments will get into it, uh, especially if you were in the working class. You probably were not fond of Margaret Thatcher. But the the dynamic of her and the Queen mm-hmm. is really fascinating to watch. And something that I never really thought about was them interacting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool to see yeah. and fun to, and interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And Tobias Menzies, he plays Prince Philip, which we knew him from Rome.
1: Yeah, we've been following him for a while. We, right?
0: <laughs> we like his career. Um, um,
1: but yeah, I mean, he was Brutus in Rome. Brutus
0: Roman, yeah. And then from
1: there he became, I mean, because there's only so many British actors. Yeah. <laughs> And there's so, but there's a ton of incredibly well-made British television shows, mm-hmm. and so they recycle the actors. But yeah, he was Brutus in Rome, and then he reappeared in Game of Thrones as is, um, uh, what's her face's brother.
0: He's he's a Catelyn Stark's brother. Yeah,
1: Catelyn Stark's brother. Yeah. Um, which and, what
0: happens to him? I don't even remember what happened. Red
1: Wedding. Red it's wedding. wedding and then he's locked
0: into the dungeon, and then he gets locked
1: in the dungeon.
0: What? I gotta look up what happens later. To that I character. think he shows
1: up again later. I think he does. See, they he, let him out. They let him out, or something like that. Give him a hot they, meal after they uh, kill. Spoiler. Anyway, I am. I
0: am really enjoying this season of The Crown.
1: I'm enjoying it too. It, it it's cool because, and again, having not seen season two and season three, maybe you'll
0: go back and watch them now.
1: Maybe I will. But it's cool because it just kind of like looks at a calendar of everything that happened between like 1980 and 1995 or whatever. And it just goes like "Mm, this one, uh, this one, this one. It's just like pulling like the biggest moments. You know, it's like so in some ways it doesn't really doesn't serve very well as a history of uh, the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is really good at cherry picking like the biggest moments in her time period. Um, So like it might be like, oh, no, we're dealing with uh, the IRA, you know, and it's stuff like that. And then there's one episode that deals with that, but it doesn't resolve it because that happened happened, you know, whatever in 1998 or something. Mm -hmm. Peace, peace. Finally, like so there's all these things that another show might only focus on that. Yeah. And a whole show could be five seasons devoted to the relationship between England and North Ireland, you know, like and stuff like that. Um, whereas this show is like, oh, well, that just happened. And then there's another thing. Or there was a whole episode devoted to the guy who broke into Buckingham Palace. Which was a
0: story I wasn't familiar
1: with. I had, I had, it must have come up on Reddit or something under like a Today I Learned or something. But yeah, I had read about that, um, but completely forgotten about it. And when it did in the show, I was like, oh, right. I remember some guy just walked into Buckingham Palace and like had a chat with the queen and like... And so there's an episode devoted to that. And then, of course, all the Diana stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really fun. It's a fun. Extremely, is it fun, though? I think it's fun. It feels kind of like. I'm Downt- intrigued
0: when I'm watching. So
1: it feels like Downton Abbey, but more purposeful in sure. some ways. Downton Abbey is was like pure spectacle and it was almost it got to a point where it was super soap opera e
0: Yeah, well it started out where there was little to no conflict or the conflict is very mundane, like yeah. we
1: haven't polished the spoons. Yeah, where are the napkins?
0: But the Vicar's coming, polish the spoons. Yeah. Who will polish them? Oh the Vicar doesn't even care if the spoons yeah. are polished.
1: Yeah. Um, which is not very relatable. No. But the show is immaculately made. Right. And the performances are super strong and the score is great. So it's incredibly well made. This is a show that feels equally well made, but actually will give you something that feels like <laughs> it matters in some way. It doesn't just it's like, what will happen to this rich family living in the middle of nowhere? You know, it's yeah. the rich family living in the middle of London, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: speaking of living in the middle of nowhere. And yes, I'm talking about Reseda, maybe. Yeah. Encino? What
1: am I where does Both. Cobra Kai take place? Rosita, but Encino is the rich part okay. of it. So in the original Karate Kid, that was like the division. Okay. I feel like now, though, like living in LA, like I difference isn't negligible. I guess I guess Encino is a little bit more in the hills, so you're more likely to have a bigger house if you live in Encino, but
0: Well, that's the exciting teaser. But first, a word from our sponsor. Earlier this year, more than 100 Twitter users got their accounts hacked into passwords, emails, phone numbers, high-profile people hacked too. It's not just Twitter, it's Facebook, eBay, Uber, Adobe, all these different platforms. And if these high-profile people can get hacked, it's easy for the rest of us too. That's why we use ExpressVPN to safeguard our personal data online at Funhouse, According to recent reports, hackers can make up to $1,000 from selling information online ExpressVPN is an app that funnels your data through a secure encrypted tunnel, so no matter what device you use, you can have peace of mind every time you use the internet. The app connects with just one click, it's lightning fast, and works on five devices simultaneously, so your whole family can be protected. If a breach can happen to powerful people, it can happen to even us little guys, too. So protect yourself with ExpressVPN, the VPN rated number one by CNET, Wired, and countless others. And if you visit ExpressVPN.com slash film right now, you can arm yourself with an extra three free months of ExpressVPN. That's three months of ExpressVPN for free. EXPRESSVPN.com slash film. That's it. ExpressVPN.com slash film to learn more. Thank you. So I haven't been watching Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. you've been watching it.
1: Yeah. I think uh, it's the first season.
0: You're a huge Karate Kid fan. We have this light in our apartment that sometimes you go stand in front of and do Because
1: it's the, it's the same color as the poster for Karate Kid, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love Karate. I've always loved Karate Kid. I think... So uh, why
0: didn't you watch Cobra Kai when it was airing on YouTube?
1: Because it was on YouTube. So... You're it a says, YouTube guy. I know, but you you and I both know that sometimes the platform that something appears on can I make know. or break. I
0: just wanted you to say <sighs> it. I can, knew. And,
1: and YouTube is the kind of thing that always felt like, oh, you're going to sit down. It's going to be something that you're going to throw on on your computer while you're doing other sure. things. Like YouTube videos just don't feel like premium you're content. You're not going
0: to watch a, a how, like, how long are the episodes? Are they 22 minute episodes?
1: Yeah, they're like half an hour. Yeah, that's. It's a scene. It's just a weird place. And Mm -hmm. despite all the media that you may consume on YouTube, going there to find something like that is just not maybe the right place for it. However. But when Netflix got it, it now it's on a remote on a TV mm -hmm. or whatever. And it feels more. And it just
0: blew up once it it came to Netflix. They
1: also tricked. Netflix has been doing something where they're very tricky and they'll put something on that leads you down a path for something else. So I noticed that the Karate Kid movies showed up on Netflix like, of
0: course, you were re-watching them. And
1: so I said to you, I was like, we should watch Karate Kid. And then you were like, sure. But then we watched the first Karate Kid and some of the second Karate Kid. And then, boom, they they took the shows off. They, they dangled took, the carrot. They took the movies off and they put the show on. Which is
0: brilliant because yeah. they gave you a taste for the universe, the mm-hmm. characters, the IP. Yeah. And then, you know, October
1: 1st hits. Mm-hmm. And then they cut the access, but you get Cobra Kai and then it's, and you're like, Oh, so um, I like many was like, okay, I'll check it out. Um, And I really like it as a karate kid fan. Sometimes I've only seen the first season. Sometimes it does feel like fan fiction or a fan film Well,
0: probably is trying to do a lot of fan service it's doing a
1: ton of fan service and i mean in more ways than just acknowledgement like literally cherry picking scenes from the first film but now ralph macchio is the one doing the Uh, explaining he's the miyagi literally beat for beat stuff and i wish that it felt like it didn't need to do that um Premise wise, it's like if it is a fan film, it's like one of the best fan films ever made. It's it, it's it feels genuine. It feels very much in the spirit of Karate Kid. And the story is someone who clearly has a love of that series and had a, an amazing idea, which is picking up with Johnny um, and where his life has kind of come since he lost that tournament. Um Now. I have some criticisms. I've heard them. That Johnny
0: was in Cryo Freeze.
1: I have some criticisms because just because you didn't live up to your full potential doesn't mean that you... Don't know what
0: internet is. You don't
1: know what internet. (laughs) Like, there's literally scenes where he goes, like, oh, my website, Cobra Kai, period, com, or or whatever. And they're like, period, com. And I'm like, he has a cell phone. Like, (laughs) he's not an idiot. He's not not a stupid person. He just... He's just a little... Maybe he's a little...
0: They treat him like a man out of time, almost.
1: Because I get it. His... the He peaked. The, his peak... Yeah. Yeah, was in 1985. So he's whatever. still
0: living in that era. But
1: that's different than actually living in that yes. era, which is something the show does a lot that really bothers me. Um, but other than that, when it doesn't do that, it does really great stuff, which is now the, you know, Danny LaRusso is a wealthy he owns a car dealership and his karate became part of his brand Mm -hmm. and he's wealthy and he's not the underdog anymore no he was he was the kid who used to be in Rosita and now he's the guy living in Encino he's
0: an Encino man and
1: he's an Encino man exactly (laughs) um and and so they do that switch and now Johnny is basically living in an apartment that looks exactly like where Daniel lived and so Cobra Kai becomes a place for nerds because I think also culturally it was a lot easier to go uh, in the 80s. You know, you had your jock, your nerd, you know, the popular kid, rich kid and everything. The John Hughes um, grouping of of cast and character. Um, but now I feel like the line is a little bit more blurred, even though when I was in high school, it wasn't like things were divided that way. No one was like Hey, nerd and like giving wedgies and the football team didn't. They were also staying behind for math club and stuff. You guys didn't have football team you had. Cricket and and robotics, yeah, cheerleaders and stuff. Um, But here in America, okay, uh, Land of the Free, um, it really hasn't been that way for a very long time. And I appreciate that this one is is very different. So the kids that are kind of downtrodden, they find karate
2: and Cobra Kai
1: as an outlet to find confidence. Mm -hmm. And they kind of do need a boost in that confidence more than just Hey, you're doing great, or here's your like like participation trophy. They need to actually be told with a very stiff hand, like why they deserve to exist. And that's where Cobra Kai, Johnny's Cobra Kai comes in. So it's weird, whereas that represented the bad guys before. Now it kind of represents the good guys. But then of course he's going through issues and his intentions aren't pure. And then there's a back and forth with the grudge between him and Daniel that gets compounded when Johnny's son gets involved. It's really it's really well done. It's great at taking what would be, like I said, like a 15-minute fan film and turning it into, oh, I could see how there'd be multiple seasons of this show. Um, but I've only watched the first season. I'm going to start the second season, too. And, of course, it ended with an all-valley karate tournament. I always love, everyone comes out for the karate tournaments. <laughs> everyone comes out for the karate Ooh. tournaments. The whole town. It's the pride of Rosita. <laughs> <laughs> um. Whereas I've never seen a karate tournament. I've never been in this city a long time. And i if you ask me where a karate tournament took place, I'll never be able to tell you. If there are, let me know. I'd happily attend once this is all said. done. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's well made. It's shot. I don't like when they use flashbacks from the actual movie. That always rips me out of everything. Because I'm like, "That's why, why are you remembering it being shot this way? Um, and it does really good stuff with uh, Mr. Miyagi, too. Because mm-hmm. like obviously he passed mm-hmm. Pat Marita passed away. Yeah. and so but you get a little morsels of like what happened to him and Daniel's relationship after the events of those movies, which as a fan of that, I really appreciate it. No mention yet thus far of Next karate Kid in the Canon. So I'm a little curious about that. but yeah, I, I'm like I'm gonna keep going and and really enjoy it.
0: Another IP that has gotten a sequel. Mm-hmm. That I did not see coming, mm-hmm. but I think it was something that we desperately needed in 2020 and in quarantine was Borat's subsequent movie film. Mm-hmm. And wow, that was a, a shocker to see this movie coming out.
1: had no idea. I mean, I, I remember there was I think on Reddit, I guess all I know about the outside world is Reddit. But like there someone posted screenshots of him driving on one of the, the studio trucks. So, you know, it's like oh, okay. driving someone so he was doing like, something we saw him film. Someone's like, we see him filming Borat, but oh. like they hadn't announced that there was a new Borat. There was nothing. Yeah. Coming. And who knows
0: so- if it was just like a commercial, you know, yeah. that Borat's making. But yeah. wow. Yeah. A, a sequel. And it's a movie that really could have been underwhelming or mm-hmm. feel like it's it's out of touch and should have just stayed in the, in the era that it was made. Mm-hmm. But I really laughed a lot watching it
1: for me it felt good to laugh again <laughs> for for personal reasons and then also just otherwise i mean i think you have to be a certain skill set to get away
0: with what he, with does. he does and he doesn't always i think there's stuff he doesn't always get away there's with, stuff he too. doesn't get
1: away with but it does feel like you know in 2020 and even years past like it, it has felt like people in general have moved away from like How how far can you take this? How far can you take this? Can you make can it be funny purely because of how wrong it is? Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone gets it. And maybe I'm sure people watch Borat 2 and did not get it and did not enjoy it. But I I got it. Anytime he did something and he pushed that boundary, it went as far as he could or whatever. And that makes me laugh. And I really agree because I feel like they don't really there isn't stuff like that now.
0: That could have been our Freddie Mercury.
1: Could he could have been our Freddie Mercury. He was
0: originally. I've got an idea. I'm still curious. Was home. Still curious what he would have been like as Freddie Mercury. Yeah. The standout from Borat 2 was Maria Bakalova. Oh, yeah. Who plays his daughter. Um, yeah. And she's now, of course, sought after, mm-hmm. and people are wondering what she's going to do she next. She's going to respond to my emails. It's, it's funny because she is a character that also could have been lukewarm or mm-hmm. fallen flat but she in some points like just surpasses sasha baron cohen
1: the whole time i was like who is this person mm-hmm. like because like you said if you sat me down and like they're doing a borat too and i'd go "Ooh," and they go and it's him traveling around with his daughter I go, she's Ooh. a
0: big focal point of it I go yeah she
1: plays a wacky character i'm like how are you supposed to do that you're having someone share the screen with sasha baron yeah. cohen one of the best like, mm-hmm. character wacky characters of all time. How is that possible? And then, yeah, I was looking her up because, like, who is this that she's doing? Like, you said, like, she just nails it, in, like, blowing him away in some of mm-hmm. the scenes. And it turns out nobody really, yeah. <laughs> like, just she's, she's relatively and new and to the and, scene. Yeah. And, like, yeah, anyway, yeah. she's great. great. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Well, we have a couple more recommendations, but first a word from another sponsor.
2: I don't think I'm crazy to say that everybody wants to look good and feel good. If you don't, what's going on? It's great. As y'all know, I've had a bit of a glow up this past year. Lost some weight, worked on my mental health, and guess what? I feel great, and I'm so happy that I do. And one of the things that can make you not feel great is losing your hair. But don't worry, there's a solution to that with hymns. You've probably heard us talk about HIMS and how they're helping us boys look their best. And if you haven't, well, listen up! Now, 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. I'm one of them. Once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for us boys. It's time to write a new chapter in your life, one in which you have hair. Bust out that typewriter. It's time to switch up that narrative. Now, you ain't got no snake oil pills. Here are those over-the-counter gas station freaking goat penis, tiger blood, all that bulls, loney. These are prescription solutions that are backed by science. you know, so this is all online. So if you have any discomfort, don't worry about it. You're going through a computer, it's totally fine. All you gotta do is answer a few quick questions, a medical professional will review it, and if they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss and they'll ship it right to your flipping door. Today, HIMSS is giving you their best offer yet. That's right, if you're not happy with your results after 90 days, HIMSS will give you a full refund are you serious? And right now, y'all can get their first visit absolutely free? Are you kidding me? What are you waiting for? Go to 4 slash filmhouse. That's fourhimscom slash filmhouse. Prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember that's fourhams.com slash filmhouse. Uh something that we have to mention
0: is a show that is a perfect ten as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. We both fell in love with it from the first episode we saw. Game of And <laughs> again, <laughs> full disclosure, we do work for Warner Media, oh, yeah. which this is this is available on their platforms. Mm-hmm. So full disclosure, but it's How to with John Wilson, mm-hmm. which is it's produced executive produced by Nathan Fielder that does Nathan for you. Mm-hmm. It feels like Sugar Pine seven-ish if they made mm-hmm. a docu series about the mundanities of life yeah. that have a deeper existential meaning at some points. Mm-hmm. but good God, this show was filmed over two, the span of two years mm-hmm. and it it's another thing that feels like a show that we needed this
1: year. Oh yeah, I definitely I mean I just needed things that made me laugh again yeah. no offense to the new girl. <laughs> but uh, it, it wasn't hitting the mark for me early on into the quarantine, yeah. and especially this far into it. I really need things that make me laugh again. And yeah, I, it's hard to explain. Like pitching the show is really difficult.
0: Yeah. the, I mean, I guess if you could say the basic premise is that Sean Wilson is this documentary filmmaker and he goes to observe New Yorkers in these weird, mundane, natural habitat scenarios. Mm-hmm. But then things sometimes get Pretty outlandish, yeah. Or they can be heartfelt, or
1: I mean, imagine if it was a documentary filmmaker who filmed everything without regard for what yeah. it was, and then found a pieces care in the pieces later, world. and then yeah. and then afterwards, but like also somehow along the way discovered an narrative yeah. It's like I'm gonna like, what do you want? I'm gonna make a documentary about marshmallows, and then you do marshmallows, but by the end of it, kind of like a paperclip becoming a house. Mm-hmm. The end result is so far from marshmallows yeah. that it doesn't even seem reasonable,
0: and like. There's an episode, not to spoil things for you, but there's an episode that the focal point is scaffolding in New York, which is a huge, huge industry and something that I never even thought about Mm -hmm. was because there are laws in New York that if you're doing any kind of construction, you have to have this much scaffolding on the premises and newsflash New York is always under construction. So Mm -hmm. there's always scaffolding everywhere. Mm -hmm. I never really thought about that. And then. He of course takes it to another level, and at one point you're watching like two dudes like getting blown on scale. I don't even remember what it was, but mm-hmm. it just God this and like the finale of the show is just about his landlady, mm-hmm. and it, it the show gets into because I think the final episode they were filming like right on the cusp of COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it sort of is this weird time capsule thing too. That And, and it, it speaks a lot to I think probably a, a similar experience that a lot of people are having.
1: But God, I just I can't recommend the show enough. It's so good. This is a, like, you know, the people that you might find, the people that are around you in your life, um, walking the streets, walking their dogs are all characters. Mm-hmm. And not all of them may be interesting, but some of them are very interesting. And he's really good about getting those, people
0: to just open yep. up.
1: Put a camera in someone's face, asking the right questions and getting them to open up in not a gotcha kind of no. way. That's the thing that it always feels like he's very explicit about, like, what the purpose is. And I don't know how he films a show, but it never feels like a gotcha moment. Mm-hmm. It feels like, no, you can open up to me and I'm going to I'm going to present you in this show in a way that you actually are. That's at least how it feels. Um, yeah. I still don't understand legally how we have stuff where it's like, God forbid, we have a shot of someone's feet yeah, in something. I we mean, have what's to blur it like it. in
0: New York, though? Like, can you just film people with no regard? I don't really know.
1: Maybe. Having never lived Maybe, there. Maybe, but it doesn't look like everyone in the list signed off. Because there'd be times where he's like talking about human relationships and he's just filming someone sitting across from him in a restaurant or whatever. And they're, it's like a couple having an argument and he's just filming the whole thing. Yeah. While then he goes back later and then puts his oh, own the, the
0: B-roll is, is the main uh main event yeah it's very the show too i can't recommend enough and then after you watch it going on youtube and watching like making of stuff is great too Mm -hmm. yeah and we don't have too much left something that i've just been kind of doing and i think this is a byproduct of quarantine is re-watching a lot of sort of comfort things Mm -hmm. uh And I've been like rewatching a lot of Steve Martin movies, some that I haven't like seen before. Like I'd never seen Man with Two Brains. Mm -hmm. So I watched that recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, it's just it's just a whole other era. I don't know. It's just a thing for me that I I feel like watching these old movies, it takes my mind off of the present.
1: Yeah, it's also I feel like like Steve Martin has so many films So many films that crossed so many periods in time that I think one of the fun things about watching his film films are that like you can watch the man with two brains. It's just wacky and absurd or L.A. story, which is wacky and absurd Mm -hmm. or the jerk, which is wacky and absurd. Then you can watch something like Roxanne
0: which is just sweet,
1: which just feels like a sweet (laughs) 90s movie, you know, like and, you know, so like he has a large resume. But yeah, I, I think we've been also watching. Not just seasonally, but we like we had gremlins on the other night. they yeah, like movies that we know.
0: You know that you're going to get a warm hug watching it. Yeah. And it's going to feel familiar and like you're not tackling the stresses of the present. Mm-hmm. I think so. I can't recommend it enough if, if you are looking for that, that warm blanket hug, too. I guess mm-hmm. it depends on when you were born and what you grew up with.
1: But yeah, I would just say it's okay. To watch something you already know you like. Yeah. If, if you're anything like Elise and I, we always have this I feel guilty. list. And we feel like we're sometimes we feel guilty because it's like, hey, we should be watching something new. Mm-hmm. There's so much we want to consume and so much we want to appreciate. But
0: there's always sucker punch.
1: There's always Sucker Punch. I no. gotta bust that Blu ray out. You wanna watch tonight? No, Extended thank you. Edition. I'm busy like washing, washing
0: my hair and my dog's hair. Um yeah.
1: but but I think it is okay to go and no you're like, nope, I know mm. weekend at Bernie's too, it's gonna make me feel good. Yeah. I know The Firm. I watched The Firm not too long ago. It's going to make me good.
0: Well, it was fun talking about all the things that we've been yeah. enjoying watching. In the comments, let me know what you've been watching, too, because I'm always looking for recommendations, especially obscure stuff. Yeah. And to get you hyped for the next three weeks of Filmhouse, we are doing a special bracket. I know people love our brackets that we do. We're doing the best holiday movie. What the criteria is for that? Christmas. Who knows?
1: Christmas, I guess specifically. it's
0: technically Christmas, specifically. Yeah. But we have two special guests joining us for those three episodes that are airing back to back. And it's Josh Flanagan and Zach Ann are comedians, writers, mm-hmm. directors in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, we recorded those episodes and my God, I cried laughing at one point. There's, I was yeah. laughing so hard.
1: So lots of good moments and it, it builds to a thrilling yeah. climax. So, so
0: uh, airing next week through December 25th, six, I mean, 25th on the rooster teeth site. Mm-hmm. The last episode will go up, but we're, we're doing that and it was super fun. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you, everybody. Thanks for watching,
1: everybody. See you next time.